0: Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and Cookies is literally my life with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I am fangirling right now over our guest today, and her name is Valerie Tripp. And before I bring Valerie onto the show, I'm going to give you a little bit of background and some history about who she is, and we're going to dive right in. Valerie Tripp is a children's book author, best known for her work with the American Girl series. As part of the creative team behind the American Girl series, Val- Valerie has written many of the American Girl books about Felicity, Josefina, Samantha, Kit, Molly, and Mary Ellen. She also wrote American Girl's Welly Wisher, and Hopscotch Hill School Books. Trip also (laughs) written numerous uh, leveled readers, songs, stories, skill book pages, poems, and plays for educational publishers and is the editorial director of the Boys Camp series. Her newest book, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Newton's Flaw, is the second book in the National Geographic kids fact-based fiction series. Valerie lives in Maryland with her family and is a frequent speaker at schools and libraries. Please welcome Valerie Tripp.
1: Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you today, Heather.
0: Yes, you too. I'm super excited to dive into some of the things in your bio, but before we start, I always do an icebreaker and that is what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory?
1: Oh my gosh. I love this question. You're going to be sorry you asked this because I have very strong opinions about this. Okay. <laughs> my favorite cookie is a chocolate chip cookie, but okay. it has to be just the right kind of chocolate chip cookie. It, ha- it can't be too cakey and it can't be too, you know, like skinny and crisp. I like it to have some integrity to it. And I like the chips to be cooked so that they're kind of melty. You know, when you, when you bite in, they, they kind of, drip down and everything so it has to be just the right degree of meltedness and then I like to drink them with ginger ale now I ginger know ale yes most people like milk but I like to drink them with ginger ale and I love making chocolate chip cookies and I love eating chocolate chip cookies and that's by far my favorite kind of cookie
0: that's amazing yeah I think it's all about the butter and yeah. how if it's too cold it makes it crispy And you have to have it just right in order to get that.
1: You don't want those chocolate chips, you know, standing up like little mountains in a flat landscape of the cookie, you know, where where the dough's melted all over the thing. That's not what you want. You want all bumpy and thick, but that's not easy to achieve.
0: That's how I make mine actually. (laughs) It's taken a long time to master and I cook them for eight minutes, not 10. And they're gooey on the inside but soft that on the outside
1: another key thing with chocolate chip cookies is cooking them with the right length of time and then getting them off that pan so yes. the bottom get all burnt
0: you have to get it on a cooling rack like quickly get it
1: off that pan yep mm-hmm. That's now amazing. you're really hungry for chocolate chip cookies oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. well good you know hey it's the holiday season so let's dive in a little bit um you mentioned, and we kind of chatted about our in the pre-interview a little bit about the American Girl series. I'm a big fan. I have a Molly Girl doll. I used to, I I wear glasses, so that was like the girl that my mom got. We, you know, we looked the same. And so you wrote a lot of those. And so I know a lot of my listeners are probably familiar with like the original American Girl dolls. And I gifted Molly and all of her stuff uh, to my daughter because I saved it for the longest time. Because I have two boys and a girl, and so. She carries Molly around. I have all the books still, and I was going through all of her old clothes, and I think it's super cool that you wrote those books that I used to read as a kid. I don't know.
1: I love it. I, I'm very proud of my grown up readers like you. I, my alums have grown up to be very impressive women, very impressive women in all sorts of different fields. And sometimes they'll write to me and say, you know, I became a historian because I loved reading about Felicity's period, or I became an architect because I loved those Victorian houses and that, you know, were in the Samantha novels, or I became a costume designer because I loved making clothes for my doll. And I love thinking of all the ways those books kind you know, went out into the universe and became part of girls' lives. It's, it was, it's been the great privilege of my life to be the voice of so many of the American girl characters.
0: It's super cool. And now there's so many, and you know, there's just, you can build the doll to make them look like you. And I feel like all the dolls at the early stages, they looked somewhat like, the little girls because you had someone from different races and different time periods just right when they first started now it's grown to be this huge huge thing uh but i'm also waiting for the day that they make the movies about the original
1: oh well you know there is a movie there's a movie about felicity with uh shailene woodley
0: yeah i have um, seen
1: that one there's a movie about molly there's a movie did i
0: miss the one about molly
1: i must have missed it there's one about Molly and you'll recognize a lot of the actors and actresses in that movie. And of course, there's a movie about Kit with Abigail Breslin. I
0: knew about the Kit one.
1: Mm-hmm. And Felicity. Uh, I guess I mentioned Felicity. And there's a, one about Samantha with Anna-Sophia Robb. And uh, Mia Farrow is in that one. She plays uh, Grand Mary. I must Samantha go Gray. back
0: and look. Maybe it's on Netflix or something. Because yeah, maybe I, I or I didn't realize maybe that those movies were based on the characters.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're pretty much based pretty directly on the six core books about those characters. Yeah. I love
0: that. Well, when I was reading your bio, like I said earlier, I I was very, very excited to to see that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have all those books. (laughs) But we're actually going to talk more about your new book that's out, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Newton's Flaw. And so you have a lot of experience exploring the challenges of middle school friendships and you know, you wrote about, you know, friendship and the American girl dolls. And so what was it like to add scientists and scientific facts into the mix when you are, you know, writing the series?
1: Ooh, good question, good question. It was a brand new challenge for me because to go to deeply into scientific concepts and phenomena and learn about these scientists as well. You know, Izzy's named after Isaac Newton and her friend Ali Einstein's named after Einstein, of course, and Marie Curie and Charlie Darwin and Gina Carver. So it was really fun for me to learn about those scientists and some of the discoveries that they made and to delve into these scientific concepts. That said, my background, my experience in taking historical concepts and kind of distilling them to their essence and writing about them as clearly as I could for a young reader and then making them matter to the young reader because they are a problem for my main character, that experience stood me in good stead because in a sense, what I'm trying to do with Izzy and the Smart Squad is do for science what I did for history, which was to bring that home to my reader and to make her realize, you know, I'm doing science all the time. Just like with American Girl, you want to say you are what American history is. There's no divide. And I'm trying to say in the Izzy series you know, you're, if when you stir up a batch of chocolate chip cookies, you're doing science. You and I just talked about, you know, how long you cook it and, you know, the degree of meltedness. That's science. That's chemistry. And so what I wanted to do with this, this, STEM-based series was say to girls, you're already a science, you're a scientist, you're already doing science every day. day. You're When you build a snow fort, you're doing engineering. When you train your dog to fetch a ball and bring it back, you're doing biology. Mm. So I, I wanted to make science matter to my young readers and encourage them to pursue any curiosity, any quirky passion, any interest that they had in uh, science, technology, engineering, or math by introducing them to these characters in the Izzy Newton smart squad.
0: I love that. My, uh, eight-year-old son is super into science and he's my brainiac kid. I call him. Cause he's just, oh, it's just, he's that kind of kid. He likes to watch sports and things, but he likes bugs and he likes to watch national geographic, uh, documentaries and he's eight. And so, uh, these books are just right up his alley as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's great when we can implement that at such a young age and they can get creative
1: fascinating thing I found writing these books is, for example, in this book, Newton's Flaw, um, my main character, Izzy, is very interested in ice hockey. She plays ice hockey. And there's huge crossover between physics and ice hockey. Um, Izzy and her brothers develop a special shot for her called the Skidizzy uh, because of their knowledge of hockey and how the puck works on the ice and how the that you're actually your hockey stick bends a little bit and they know this because they know newton's laws of physics so i love the crossover between you know creativity sports music uh design and science it's they're all connected and i find that very exciting i love the
0: name of it too newton's flaw and newton's law it's just very it's childlike and it's super creative
1: I love doing that. In this particular book, I use flaw. I use that pun three different ways in that the mystery and smart squad, S-M-A-R-T stands for solving mysteries and revealing truths. Mm. And the mystery that Izzy and her friends delve into and try to solve is that there's a flaw, there's a crack, there's a fissure in the school building. And that's leading to all kinds of problems in the building so that's the mystery that they have to solve and then they try to sort of patch up the problem as well and then i also use the phrase flaw to mean a crack and a division within the squad itself they are supposed to choose a project for their science fair you're probably familiar with science fair projects yes (laughs) (laughs) and they choose you know everybody's favorite the volcano and the volcano erupts too soon. Mm -hmm. So they're faced with this last minute decision. They have to come up with a whole new science fair project. And there's some uh, difference of opinion, shall we say, among the squad about what will be the best project for them to do. So I I like to use the word flaw in terms of that kind of crack and division as well. And then the third use, um, and this was inspired by a group of middle school girls I've been meeting with for three years. We started when they were just in the sixth grade. And I asked them, you know, what, what do you dislike the most? And to a girl, they said they didn't like standing up in front of a group and speaking. Mm. So I have Izzy in a forensics class where she has to make a speech in front of a group. And she decides to talk. She talks about what she likes. And she stands up and says, you know, ice hockey is my favorite fort. Her tongue is twisted because she's so nervous that she twists it up and then she's embarrassed and her flaw is this great fear of public speaking and so she she has to solve that newton's flaw as well she has to come up with a solution and find a way around her fear of public speaking i'm very proud of her because she comes up with with a way that's kind of funny and cute and age appropriate. And um, she kind of surprised me. I didn't have a solution in mind, but it was just as I wrote along, it was almost as if Izzy came up with the solution all by herself. (laughs) Right, right.
0: I mean, I think we've all had that fear of public speaking or or, I mean, at one point or another as as kids, like I remember I do. So uh, trying to fix that. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can like picture everyone in their underwear, you know. (laughs) Stare at a spot, space in the wall, or you know something like that. But we've all had that fear, I think. Uh, And so, were you a
1: science buff as a young girl? You know, I I think one of the reasons I wrote these books was I did love science. I just didn't know that that's what it was that I was loving. You know, um, my sisters and I loved experiment. You know, building things. We we loved creating things. Um, We loved all sorts of games that had a lot to do with math. And I just didn't know that what I was doing would be with STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. And I thought, you know, science only happened in labs and it was only done by, you know, doctors and professors who are wearing lab coats and everything. And I wish so much a series like this had existed when I was younger to say, Hey, as a matter of fact, chocolate chip cookies feature largely in the Izzy Newton books, because Allie Einstein's grandmother loves to make them. I wish somebody had said to me, you know, when you're measuring those ingredients, you're, you're doing math. You're doing Uh, hundred percent.
0: Actually. That's what I'm trying to teach my kids while we bake is you've got fractions in there. You've got you know, it's, it's all measurements. It's all math.
1: When many of the games we play as kids have a lot to do with math, have a lot to do with geometry. So have to do with chemistry. So I wrote the series in an effort not to say sort of top down, Hey girls, you should be interested in science. What I wrote was more organic to say, you're already a scientist. You're curious, you experiment, you're a scientist. You look at the world with uh, very observant eyes and please pursue those interests. If you love animals, you're a biologist. There's no division, you, you know, mm. there's nothing that magically makes you that. And so I I, I want to more or less empower and encourage and bolster and support what I see as a natural interest that exists already um, through this series and saying, you know, you're just like the girls in the smart squad you know, you're finding out new stuff all the time.
0: And are these geared towards like girls as most of your writing towards like teaching a little girl how to be, you know, strong and smart and going into anything that in fields that are typically maybe not seen?
1: Yes, there are, um, you know, there are always important boy characters in all of the books I write. There are always important boy characters whom I love, love, love. And in this book, there is a boy who becomes more and more important as the series goes on. I've already written the third book in the series and it is about girls and it, I do speak to girls and I don't know. I mean, I guess that's just because I loved the books that I read as a girl so much. They became part of who I am. You know, I, I just, can't think of anything more important to do than to write to and for girls primarily, which is not to say that, um, any, everybody could be interested in them and there's a wide, you know, span of interest in everything, but yeah. And in terms of the age, uh, that I'm aiming for, I think it would appeal to a, it could be read aloud to a six-year-old and keep her interest. And I think as old as 13 probably would also be interested in this group of middle school girls because in addition to the science and I just I use the science as a metaphor for uh, the emotional development that the emotional challenges that the girls face as well and I chose middle school because I think oh my gosh so much happens in middle school I don't know about you Heather but it seems to me that well, actually all of us all the time, we're, we're, we're trying to find this balance between who we are, you know, as a unique individual, a quirky, nobody else like us individual, and defining ourselves as an individual. And at the same time, we're balancing that with the fact that we're a member of a class or a sports team. We're a member of maybe a troop, Girl Scout troop or something. We're members of neighborhoods. We're members of families. We're members of classrooms. And we get joy and energy back from all of those groups. And, and, and we have responsibility to those groups. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, sometimes we have to see ourselves as separate. Right. I think the balance is really tricky. And I think that really begins to happen in middle school where you're trying to define yourself as separate. So I find that a fascinating period to write about.
0: I think too, with middle school, at least with me, like that was the first opportunity of being in sort of a club, like student council or, you know, the different clubs that started really in like the sixth grade, I could be remembering incorrectly, but that's what I kind of remember. And then trying to define like, what your interests are. And if you really liked it and those people that were in it too, and maybe why they were in it. And so really trying to navigate that because you're trying, and then we get to an adulthood and then you become possibly a spouse or a partner. And so then you're trying to navigate that, navigate that while still not losing you. And then you become a parent, which you're also still not trying to lose you and that too. And so I could see how that would start really in middle school. Cause that's when like hormones really kick in and lots of different developments happen.
1: You have expressed it beautifully. You have expressed it very articulately. Yes. And that I find that very inspiring and, uh, writers love tricky situations. You know, they love things that are ambiguous and are not simply resolved. And you just articulated that beautifully. Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you. And I like to work humor into a lot of my stuff. Um, when I'm trying to, uh, communicate the being tough with parents and, 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 and some people can't take it. They, they're like, oh, it's so literal. It's like, come on, like lighten up a little bit, but do you use a lot of humor in your writing as well? Cause I feel like it's the best way to, it's almost like self-deprecate, self-deprecating, self-deprecating yeah. humor and, and it relate, it makes it more relatable.
1: Yes. And, you know, uh, that springs naturally from middle school as well. You know, but we're just like saying things that are fall off your chair funny in middle school. Things are really funny. And humor is a way of resolving difficulties. And I have to give a shout out to the illustrator of these books. I think she has added this lovely lightness, this whimsical air, this energy to the books uh, that, um add this lovely um airiness that is a nice balance to the science quite frankly so um i'm so grateful to geneva bowers for her beautiful beautiful evocative illustration she tells the story better than i do and i know it's a cliche to say a picture's worth a thousand words but her pictures i think are worth about a million words
0: so I can see the uh, the illustrations behind you and they look beautiful. They're really colorful, very like, I mean, kids would love it. So I really appreciate you being here and talking to us more about your books and uh, diving into the American Girl stuff as a fangirl here. Uh, before we wrap, can you tell us where we can find your books and where we can find you on social?
1: The best place to go is uh, National Geographic has a website that is smartsquadbooks.com and you can find more about the books and where to find the books on that website and they also have uh, nat GeoKids.com website that is so fantastic. Your middle son will adore it because it has videos, you know, of animals. It has experiments to do. It's just fabulous. And they also have natgeo.com slash info, where you can get more information about the scientific concepts that I talk about in the book and the scientists and best of all, oh my gosh, so fabulous, Heather. The young scientists who are working in these fields right now, which is so fabulous. They're called National Geographic Explorers. So those three websites are really the best place to go. And then there's ValerieTrip.org for more information about me or American Girl has a a lot of information about me as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. And we'll make sure we have all the links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you sharing with my listeners all the things about your books and science. And I hope you come back for the, next, uh, for the next one. The
1: third book, the third book. What an enormous pleasure to meet you today. Thank you, Heather.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.